Welcome to Show Me Your Mic, the podcast about podcasting. I'm your host, Chris Enns, and I have a weird throat thing. So that's just part of this episode's special feature. You can find Show Me Your Mic online at goodstuff.fm slash smym or on Twitter at smym underscore fm. Like I said, I'm your host, Chris Enns, and I've got Leslie Camacho on this episode. He's the host, one of the hosts of the Marriage Startup Podcast, a podcast that looks at the struggle to keep home life in balance when work seems like it is your life. We talk about recording a podcast with your spouse, how to set aside time to make it happen, boundaries for talking about family while still being open and interesting. And besides the usual podcast suggestions, we also get into some board game suggestions as well. So stick around for that. My thanks to A Small Orange for supporting this episode of Show Me Your Mic. More about them and how you can help out a little later on in the show. For now, here's my conversation with Leslie. But welcome to Show Me Your Mic, Leslie. It's great to have you on the show. And uh, unfortunately, your wife couldn't make it today, but you're from the Marriage Startup Podcast, as I mentioned in the intro, and uh, I was just listening to the the your latest episode as of this recording, I think, is it 39 or 29? Uh, or which one? Uh, 32 is the last one. Yeah, yep. for some reason, 39. And, uh, and great, just great to hear, um, I'm trying to think, I don't think I've had a, a couple married or otherwise on with a podcast before on this, this show anyways. And it's, uh, it's great to hear just couples cause there's a, a certain amount of, uh, familiarity that, <laughs> that happens that doesn't normally happen with a co-host maybe, uh, in general anyways with podcasts. But, uh, anyways, all that to say, welcome to the show. Great to have you here. Thank you very much. Uh, I, Laura sends her apologies cause she can't make it this morning. Uh, she has a doctor's appointment that she's got to take the kids to. Uh, and, and yeah, it just, scheduling, scheduling with kids, family, podcast. It, it just didn't work <laughs> out this morning, unfortunately. Well, yeah. And that's one thing um, I was going to ask you about, and, and we can get into that right away because my wife and I too have often thought about, and we, she's joined me a couple of times. I do a daily-ish show, like sort of a solo audio journal show here on Good Stuff. And occasionally she's joined me just to chat about something interesting or, or Survivor or some TV show or whatever that we're watching. But it is like when we have three kids and scheduling and stuff, with that has always held us back from doing a show together more formally, even though we think we'd actually really enjoy it and could probably entertain a few folks with our arguments or our <laughs> discussions. Um, how have you found, you know, 32 episodes in now with, with it? Has it been, do you do a sort of a weekly or a regular scheduled recording and then hope for the best as far as kids getting sick, et cetera, and life stuff getting in the way or how has it worked out for you? Yeah. So when we started the show, we had, um, you know, we had these really grand plans for how it was all going to work and it quickly devolved into getting everything done at the last minute. Um, one of the things about doing marriage startup is that even though it's about, you know, the intersection of where our lives meet our home life, um, it's not our primary source of revenue. In fact, there is almost no revenue from the show at all. So, so it is a labor of love side project. So we've tried scheduling it in various different ways and we've tried different things. Uh, right now we're trying to get the writing done on the weekends and also get the recording done on the weekends. Uh, and, and then we're really good about doing the research on our own time. So we don't need, really need to schedule it for that. Uh, but we just made a commitment to, to make sure we were consistent with it. And that's been probably the commitment to consistency has been more important than, than figuring out a consistent schedule, even though that may sound odd now that I say it out loud <laughs> like that. Yeah. Well, I know what you mean. And, and sort of both 
because it would be very easy. I, I can see anyways, and I for for myself and my wife, like one of us wants to watch House of Cards, the other one is motivated to record the show, and vice versa. But to to know that you can you know push each other and and actually say no, we're going to do this first, or we've made this a priority, or whatever. Um, it would be hard because at at the end of the day, I I don't know what, how old your kids are. Ours are two, five, and seven. And at the end of the day, it's kind of just like I just want to collapse on the couch and not talk or not have anybody talk to me for a while. Yeah, we've we've. Uh, I think the latest we've recorded is eleven p.m., which I think we've only done once. But there's been several shows where we haven't started recording till nine nine thirty, and we're just both absolutely wiped out. I. Uh, This year, we finally have a schedule where we have Mondays and Thursdays and Wednesday afternoons to ourselves. So uh, our kids are uh, eight, five, and almost two. And so the eight-year-old's in school now. And uh, the other two kids, we have a really, really awesome um, person who helps us watch them on Mondays and Thursdays. And then we have a stellar babysitter who comes here on Wednesday afternoons. And so we escape on Wednesday afternoons. So if we don't record during the weekends, we try to make it a priority to record first thing in the morning after the kids get dropped off on either Mondays or Thursdays. And then we, we release the show on Thursdays. Um, and there are some Thursdays where has, you know, release me on Thursday has meant 11.50 p.m. <laughs> right before that. But again, we, we really wanted to uh, make that commitment to consistency. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And that's, yeah, that's definitely the key is to having some outside support of some sort <laughs> for <Yes>. sure. <laughs> That's our, both our parents are, are uh, snowbirds or whatever. I don't know if you guys have a different word for it, but they head down South anyways in the winter and, uh, and they're both about to come back here in the next couple of weeks. And so both sets of parents. And so then babysitting becomes free and easier <laughs> and, uh, and easier to guilt them into babysitting as well, I guess. And so, yeah, that's the phase we're looking forward to again. Um, so we'll see what happens. But um, going back anyways to the sh- the podcast, the Marriage Startup Podcast, what what was the original sort of motivation for starting it and, and, and where did it come from? Well, well, kind of the introductory short version is that I was a, uh, a CEO of a small software company for, um, for 12 years. Well, I worked for the company for 12 years and I started out as the third employee and I ended being the CEO. And probably for the last five years in that job, I was you know, the president slash operations guy, we were never more than 18, 19 people. And so at that small size, you still have an immense pressure. Uh, And it just never goes away when you're in a leadership position. And I had always wanted to do a podcast, even back in my CEO days, but it never, we never, I never quite got the tone right for something that I felt represented the company. So the idea of doing a podcast, I've always wanted to do. But when when it became came time for me to leave my CEO gig, uh, when I knew I was no longer the right person for the job, um, I remember talking to Laura and I I said I think I think I'm ready to stop being a CEO. And the first thing she said was, "Please quit." And that led to a long series of very intense discussions over the next four or five months that really shined a light on how badly I was doing on the personal side of things and, and how much jeopardy I was actually putting my marriage in and my family in. And as I took a step back, I began to realize that most of my friends in the business world, especially those that are either owners of companies or in leadership positions, were dealing with very, very similar things. And 
it all seems to, you know, they get talked about, but just in passing, oh yeah, this was hard in my family or yeah, this was a negative impact on my kids. But there was never really a spotlight on what it looks like on the chaos of trying to start a business, whether you're doing like a VC funded thing uh, or bootstrapping or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so, so then one of the clients I had is a marriage expert and he was doing a conference down in Dallas and I was providing some strategy consulting for him. And after he gave his internal talk, I went up to him and said, you know, my, you know, my community in the white professional side, we really need, need what you have to say on this subject. And he in an offhand way just said, well, why don't you do it? And that was the end of the conversation with him. And he said it in kind of a joking manner, but it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was like, yeah, why don't I do that? And so I went back and talked to my wife and she was all for it. And I think within, I think within three weeks of, of him saying that to me, uh, we had, we, we had begun in earnest to plan out the show and, and kind of get an idea for what we wanted to do with it. Nice. Yeah. And that's where, like you alluded to in the software world, especially startup world and stuff, it's often the focus is on the young 20 somethings working day and night on their laptops, and, yep. you know, Red Bull, et cetera, whatever. Um, and less focused or interest, it seems maybe less sexy or whatever the, the actual like families and normal quote unquote, I, I not normal, but, um, my, my normal mid thirties, late thirties, forties, whatever, somewhere with a family and a spouse, a partner, and you're, you know, you're, there's someone you have to be accountable to for your time in terms of just sharing responsibilities beyond uh, who's going to commit the code to GitHub or, or whatever. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and that's that's interesting. And that's, uh, I, would, I would guess, like you said, I, I would guess too that it's vastly underserved and under-talked about. Um, and uh, and I, would, I would hope anyways, through this podcast and through, you know, obviously just being in iTunes, et cetera, that more folks are, are going to discover that because it's, it's something that's... Uh, I think I would have a hunch that um, they would it would be well worth and and good for marriages uh, relationships that are in similar situations to what you described to hear people talking openly about it and have discussions about it and prompting you know internal family discussions about things like that. So um, how has the so you're like we said earlier thirty two episodes in now um, how has the show sort of morphed and changed or whatever as you've as you've done it and and where is it in relation to what you started and your vision for it, I guess, uh, how has it sort of played out now, 30 some episodes in? I feel like, like 32 episodes in, I'm feeling like we're just beginning to find our voice. Um, Laura and I have always had a really close relationship even prior to getting married. And, and we feel, we feel like we're an oddball couple in the sense that, um, it's hard to find other marriages like ours. And I'm not sure why that is. Uh, and I think part of it is that, uh, a lot of, a lot of my friends are just introverts. Um, but the way that's impacted the show is, is simply that we need to maintain our commitment to being transparent versus trying to pivot it into some sort of business. Uh, originally we had envisioned marriage startup as kind of a commercial entity and that we would start building product around it and kind of, you know, there's, there's a trend in podcasts and kind of informational products to go that way. So the original idea was to do something like that, but somewhere around episode 20, you know, 20 ish in there, when we started, it felt like we had earned the trust of our, of our base audience. And we started hearing from people it just felt like the wrong move uh, to try to 
to try to go that direction. And so we've started treating it like a nonprofit organization um, more than a commercial opportunity. And we've had to recommit to the type of transparency and storytelling that we do in the show itself. Um, and that's been really challenging uh, and more challenging than we thought because we're used to, we're used to having open conversations with people. Um, I, I, I don't know, I can't remember who said it, but there's kind of the joke going around like the podcast is the new private diary kind of idea where right. <laughs> you're spilling your most in, uh, intimate secrets out there. But the feedback that we get really consistently on the show is, hey, when you talked about this, it reminded me of this thing I'm dealing with with my partner or my spouse or my loved ones or, or, or with myself. And, and thank you for sharing. And here's what I'm doing about it. Uh, and so we've had to work really hard to keep the show invitational versus prescriptive, which, is, which most marriage podcasts are, like your 10 tips to a better marriage, your 10 tips for working at home. And um, we would like to provide some of that from our experience, but the heart of the show has to be an invitational experience and, and we've had to keep that commitment. Do you have a, uh, I understand what you mean, but do you have a sort of a tangible, tangible uh, example, I guess, of being a bit more invitational that in a way on the podcast that you've been? Sure. So, um, for us, that means that, that we are just sharing our own story, uh, as much as possible to give an inside look in. So, uh, I think the way I would describe it is that in the business world, especially uh, in, in the tech startup uh, world, you hear very little about the middle of something. You hear about the very beginning where it's really excited and you either hear about the catastrophe and tragedy at the end, <laughs> the flame out, or the wildly successful uh, things. But you never hear about those middle years where someone put in, uh, put in the work and what it was like. Uh, and, and so we want to maintain a transparency into that. Uh, and so the invitation is just to be proactive in your relationship. And so we, we end the show, uh, every show ends with a segment called what, you know, what, what I'm going to do for you this week, where we take the question of, um, you know, there's a typical scenario where you come home and say, Hey, you know, Hey, what can I do for you? but it puts all the pressure on the partner. And after a long day and your brain is frazzled, you don't actually know what you need half the time. Like, like I know Laura would ask me a lot, hey Les, what can I do for it now? Or what can I make you for supper? And I would just, you know, I have no idea. <laughs> and it would lead to this sort of lame silence that was not good for either one of us. And I think that kind of describes what happens to a relationship in general whenever you're trying to start it. It becomes this thing in the background that's an anchor, but not much else. Uh, and so we try to flip that base scenario. We just said, hey, here's what I'm going to do for you. It, it would, um, and to try to treat the other person in a very proactive way. And by sharing that, how we're proactive with each other, we hope that acts as an invitation for listeners to do the same thing. Um, and then we invite people to share their stories and, and we've had some pretty powerful stuff shared with us just privately by email. Um, most of it, they don't want shared on the air at all. Uh, but some of it, they, they have allowed us, uh, to share those things openly. Um, but, but that's what we mean by invitational is like, Hey, here's, here's what it's like for us. What's it like for you? And how are you guys? Um, here's what we're doing to improve our marriage. Here's the products we're trying. Here's the, pop psychology we're trying. Here's the business technique we're trying to apply to our marriage to see if it has use. Uh, and, and just 
showing people that it is critical to be proactive in, in your in your most important relationship. Um, so hopefully that that translates to being invitational. Yeah. No, it sounds awesome. And that's, I know you, on episode 30, I think I was just looking through the list anyways, you had a listener feedback show and maybe that's a little bit of what you're talking about. I'm curious, I didn't get a chance to listen to the listener feedback one yet, but um, is that, how did you incorporate your listener feedback? Was it in audio form or just sort of feedback that you had collected over the episodes and, and sort of talked through or what was that episode about? Uh, so we've had two listener feedback shows. Uh, that, that was uh, our second one. All the feedback that we get is uh, that's of the, hey, can you please dig into this a little bit more has always been by email. I think for the first 60-ish days, we had a SpeakPipe account and promoted that and we got nothing. Yeah, uh, and we know that people are listening. I can look at my download count and I know that people <laughs> are out there. And so we were trying to figure out for the longest time, why aren't people actually getting back to us? And as soon as we turned off the speak pipe account and started emphasizing that when you email us, your privacy is guaranteed, which we always talked about from the beginning, but we made kind of like a special announcement just for that saying, hey, if you need to share and you want us to talk about something, but you want to make absolutely certain no details that could be identifying to you are shared, that's when the story started coming in. Um, and so it was actually taking away the voice component that built a sort of element of trust. So the feedback show was from a listener um, that we know has been listening since episode nine or 10 for a long time. And this person told us like a, a scenario that happens um, in their household and wanted us to kind of dig deeper into that. And so Laura and I played around with that question and went and went into that. And then we had a couple other more lighter weight questions um, two that we addressed, uh, including, you know, people asking us to expand on things that we've touched on or what we mean by that. I think in that particular episode, they wanted to know more about my consulting business in terms of how that was related to how we, you know, how the consulting business and how I approach that was tied into how I approach my relationship with Laura, um, or, or our marriage with each other. And so, it's questions like that, but they're almost always told by email behind the scenes um, with the exception of some lighter weight questions that we get on Facebook. Right. Which I think often as podcasters, we kind of forget that not everybody wants their voice heard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you mentioned stats, obviously, and you, you know, any podcaster will hopefully admit that they, you know, occasionally look at the stats and, oh, yeah. or obsess yeah. over them. And, uh, and, you know, obviously you're wanting hundreds or thousands or however many, whatever number you're at, uh, in this, this show's case, it's uh, a few hundred people or whatever that are listening and you're kind of like you said, I'm, I'm curious who's out there. You put out a call, I, I give my email address or whatever at the end of the show and, you're curious who is out there actually listening to this thing that you're you're putting out from your basement or wherever you happen to be recording from, and and it is fun. It's it's great as as someone who's gotten feedback myself on this show and others. It's so rewarding to get that feedback in whatever form. Obviously, negative stuff is a little less exciting, but but even still, it's um, I liken it to playing guitar. I play guitar, and I know when I make a mistake on stage, and nobody even comments on the fact that I you know butchered that note or that solo or that chord change or whatever it kind of makes me wonder is anybody actually listening and similarly here it's like <laughs> if i've you know yeah. your volume is horrible and mine's way too loud or whatever nobody comments on it, it makes me wonder okay who are these people actually listening and, and don't they know us? <laughs> especially on a podcast show but it, yeah yeah exactly <laughs> i i think the 
yeah, like the negative comments we've gotten are um, one, we have one listener that thinks I talk about business too much, which is true, you know, given the nature of the podcast. I, I don't know that it's also a strange feedback uh, for that kind of thing, but also understandable. And then the other thing is I'm not an audio engineer. And so that's been really difficult for me to get on that side of things. I try to do the best with what I know. Um, but there's a couple listeners where I just can't get the levels right between Laura and I, no matter how I fiddle with it and that sort of thing. But, but yeah, in terms of hearing from people, I've found that unless I'm having a private conversation, I don't really get the type of feedback that I want. Like I remember we would, we'd only been doing the show for a month, uh, for a month or two. And we had done really well in iTunes, new and noteworthy, and it was silence, silence, n- not hearing from anyone. And then we had an, interest, uh, an industry conference that I went to. And I had 15 people talk to me about the show. Oh, just wow. out of the blue. Hey, Les, we heard this. I just want you to know we love it. Uh, my wife and I listen to it in the car. It, it helps us um, talk about the stuff that's going on. And, and these are friends of mine like that I've known for a long time. And they're not even talking to me about <laughs> this stuff. Yeah. Uh, former employees, uh, colleagues. And I had no idea that they were listening at all until we had a private one-on-one experience where they were able to talk to me in person and say, hey, I just want you to know, uh, we want you to keep doing this. We think it's important. Uh, I'm basing my talk off some of the stuff I hear in your show. And and so we know it's having the impact that we want, but we have not figured out the formula to really engage in the type of kind of dialogue that we think would make for show topics that would really let us cater more to our listening audience because they're not actually telling us uh, yet. <laughs> yeah. And that's, it's totally that feeling of like, um, and I, with this show, a similar idea of like talking about a thing that other people are interested in or want to get better at. And then how do you facilitate what they actually want to know rather than what you think they might want to know and, and, you know, try to talk from your experience, but also, the questions that might come in for podcasting or for marriage relationship stuff would help drive a discussion. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and like what you alluded to earlier of trying to be uh, invitational versus what was it prescriptive? I think you said. Yeah, that idea, exactly. Like, I don't want to tell people you have to have a high PR 40 mic cause you don't, but that's just happened to be what I use and yeah. And sort of invite the discussion around the mic or, or whatever <laughs> proper analogy is for <laughs> relationships. <there. laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but yeah, and I'm curious with uh, going back to sort of the relationship that you have with your wife and and sharing that online and having your kids obviously involved in the big question of you know privacy and how much are you should you share and and stuff and how have you decided to sort of um, like I know you don't or I, I assume anyways just that you're not streaming it live so you do have the opportunity to edit after the fact if you realize oh shoot I shouldn't have shared that story or yeah. whatever. Um, but how have you sort of decided to gauge that or, or hold the, what, what to hold back and what to share? Um, we try to keep things about our kids private, uh, but even there it's hard because it, it kind of takes away from the value of the show because kids are a huge part of the intersection between where your professional life meets your personal life. So, so kind of the line that's, admittedly a very gray line, maybe more like a spray paint line, um, <laughs> is, is that I won't talk about my extended family in any detail. So in our immediate family, we're, um, we're okay sharing and we do have the chance to go back and edit things out though. I think we've only done that a couple times 
where we felt like we've overshared on something. And so we've, um, we re-recorded a particular section or something like that. Uh, but I remember early on, we were talking about Laura's parents and we said something that we thought was totally benign and had really hurt them uh, inadvertently. And I, I am uh, I am very fortunate to have stellar in-laws. So uh, Gail and Earl, if you're listening to this, uh, we love you. <laughs> so, uh, and so they, we had a really good conversation with them. Um, and then I found out that my family listened, which I had no idea that they actually listened. And my side of the family is a lot more complicated. And so that's when I realized, okay, anything in my immediate family, I can talk about that. Um, but when it comes to my extended family, I need to, I need to just protect their privacy. Uh, and then Laura and I can kind of gauge it for ourselves. And I think the other thing that we've determined is that when we talk about our kids, it always has to be with the idea that there is a concrete actionable thing at the end of that discussion. Like we, we never just say, well, my kids like this and kind of shrug our shoulders. It would always, like my eldest daughter has a, um, she's called the two E child, which stands for twice exceptional, which means that she is um, in certain intellectual categories. She is in the top 5% and in other categories, she's in the bottom 20%. So she is super smart and that enables her to know things are very wrong. And since she's only eight, it really impacts her emotionally. Right. And that's right. been a huge challenge for us. It, it's impacted our business. It's impacted our relationship. And so we can't not talk about that, but we also don't want to be cynical about it. And so I think that instead of editing for content or transparency, though there is some of that, we edit for tone. Like we want to make sure that when Sophia listens to this when she's 19, she can tell how seriously we took trying to parent her, trying to rearrange our lives to be holistic uh, for her benefit. And so hopefully she sees that at 19 or maybe 40. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. I don't know how many teenagers want to go back and listen to their parents. Yeah. Talk, but, yeah. uh, you never know. <laughs> yeah. That is something that, I mean, even never mind just talking about your kids or your family stuff, but I often wonder just as my own kids are, they've, they're, they're aware that I do this thing called podcasting, but obviously right now it doesn't really, they have no concept of what's actually going on, but yeah, like it, at 20 or whatever, are they going to come back and listen to this interview that their dad did at some point? <laughs> like, why would yep. they want to? <laughs> Who knows? But uh, yeah. And what, what would they think of that? Cause I don't have, I don't know about you, but I don't have that kind of um, archive of history or whatever of my parents or my grandparents. And it would be amazing to have that, but also it's like, there's going to be so much stuff that we're leaving behind that. Uh, yeah. I don't know where you'd begin to it's not just yeah. a box of photos in the in the storage room or something. It's like hard drives full of. <laughs> yeah, of now we have terabytes of family photos that yeah. you need face recognition software to sort through. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, and I I think what's uh, regardless of whether someone's listing and they're maybe not in a relationship or they don't think they're in that stage of life or whatever to find the show for them necessarily. The, I know just the, the episode I was listening to, the episode 32, there, you were talking about um, uh, your disc profiles, I think it was, that you are talking oh, through. Yeah. And, uh -huh. But the, just the discussion you had with your spouse, with your wife, about um, how you were, you know, you created the environment for her to get her work done and debating the credit and, and the amount of work you had to do that she was dubious of, I guess, or something to that right, effect. And, right. and just that the the lightheartedness but seriousness that of things that you're discussing discussing and um and transparency, like you said, of 
you know, exposing a bit of those, maybe a, a raw nerve in something, but being able to work through it in in a public arena of sorts, um, trusting your audience with that information, I guess, and trusting each other to navigate that discussion carefully, but healthily. And um, yeah, there isn't a question here, but just a, a, I guess, a kudos or whatever for, for how well you guys are doing that. And that it's, it is, makes for interesting listening. And I think it can be applied beyond obviously just a marriage per se, but in relationships in general, um, the kind of discussions that you guys are having and, and are, Worth, worth, and then especially even if you have a, I'm thinking of a startup environment or or business environment where you've got a maybe a partner or a or a coworker, or a colleague, or employee that is married and you're not, and just to have an understanding of what goes on and maybe you don't listen to every episode, but it's just to sort of dip in and figure out why they might come to work really stressed one day and you think it's just work stuff, but there's a whole bunch of other things going on in in their life, so. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in the design world, why, why, why is the owner fighting me over what color this button is? Right. <laughs> uh, you know, oh, oh, right. It's because his, he had a big blow up with his eight year old and it has nothing to do with me. Yeah. He um, has no, it, nothing it, to do yep. with blue. Which is just... <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that particular discussion is actually a good example because the first time we had it, it was close to a fight where I was trying to describe what I did and she was taken aback by it. And um, I, so we, the first attempt at that discussion actually happened in November and it did not go well, uh, but <laughs> well, it was a good to, starter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, and, and then disc profiles, I think that sort of thing is indicative of kind of the spirit behind the show where, you know, as a, as a CEO, I read book after book about team building and hiring creatives and reading about Paul Graham and um, hackers and painters and Valve Software's T-shaped person and Zappos. And um, and I spent an inordinate amount of time researching this stuff. And I didn't read one book about making my relationship with Laura better. Uh, no investment, no no equivalency in how much effort I was putting into relative strangers and their well-being versus people I lived with every day. And so it, it was like, well, I have this wealth of knowledge. Can can this be applied back to my relationship in some meaningful way? And it turns out it can. And so that's kind of the other aspect of the show uh, that we try to do is here's this thing in the business world that's meant to really help you better communicate with people and build better teams. So why not see what it can do, you know, for for your most important relationship? Yeah, and that that's uh, maybe that discussion was, and I'm sure you've had others like that, but it kind of was a good way of highlighting to me sort of the the tension, but also the the perks of bringing some of those discussions back into your home. And obviously, you don't want to necessarily bring the whole business world back with you into your home right. life, but but and that's again the interesting part of what you guys are are sort of chronicling and journaling is is that uh, that aspect of the tensions, I guess of homework and and then your your business now that you're in is it your home-based business that you're running or sort of home office whatever coffee shop business based business and and working out of the home kind of thing uh or? yes though i've been doing that since about 1999 so oh, okay. i've been i've been working remotely for a long long time uh so at this point i'd probably be terrible in an office environment <laughs> Uh, so, so that part of it is relatively easy at this point uh, in terms of keeping myself on track. Uh, so that that experience isn't new. What is new is Laura making the transition from stay-at-home mom to work-at-home mom. 
um, one of her revelations uh, that, that I really wish she was here to talk about this particular part, but I feel comfortable answering on her behalf here. Um, her big eye opener in terms of what the show has meant to her, like you asked the question earlier, how has the show transitioned? Um, originally, our plan was for her to be a stay at home mom and really dive into homeschool and really, you know, just be the spouse that goes all in with the family life. And what we found after really going and exploring this in depth with her in the first 60 days is that she didn't want that. And that was, that was really challenging for her to realize is like, I don't actually want to be a stay at home mom. I want to be a work at home mom and I want to homeschool, but I can't homeschool a, a, a child with special learning needs. I can't do it. And so for both of us, it was like this big lesson of humility to enter the public school system. Um, and then at least where we are, it's an awesome public school that, that my daughter's in that's unbelievably good to her. And that's allowed Laura to make this huge transition um, mentally into starting her own business. And so that's another way that the show has diverged. Originally, originally the show was the business, but now I have a business and then Laura has a business. And so we're both, you know, trying to grow things. And so now the show has become somewhat about that. Um, but yeah, it, it, watching her come alive in ways that she wasn't able to when I was a CEO has just been life-changing uh, for us. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's, I was going to touch on that too, is it, it, the chronicling of a uh an actual startup in a sense. And that maybe that word gets thrown around too much. I don't know how you were. <laughs> you obviously used it in the name of your, your podcast, but yeah. you know, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're starting a new business or your startup or whatever the term is, but just that idea of like you're building both building new businesses as well as building this family, building this relationship. There's a lot of pieces moving and, and we're, uh, treading into maybe more relationship advice than podcasting advice for the, that's then what's normal for the show, but that's fine. It's my show. Um, <laughs> and people can tune out if they want to, I guess, but the, how is that? And you alluded to it earlier too, of like, you know, learning about how to be a better boss or a better colleague and things like that at, at your job, but managing all this stuff. Now, how do you feel? Um, what's the question I'm getting to here? Just keeping all that going and, and balancing everything. Now, it sounds like you're in a, healthier state than you felt like you were back when you were uh, CEO and, and, and things like that. But sounds like also quite a bit busier in a way um, and more things sort of floating around, I guess, to keep up. What's, what has changed, do you feel like? That's too personal. I don't mean to uh, put you no, on the spot. No, no, not at all. Um, <laughs> I'm asking for my own sanity, I guess. It, yeah, I'm trying to figure out a good entry point. Well, from, from a real practical standpoint, the money's changed. Um, so as a CEO, I, I was always well compensated, whatever, whatever issues I had with my old job, none of them were about how I was treated or how I was compensated or the people I worked with. Um, it was all about the direction of the company and what I wanted for myself professionally versus what they needed in leadership. Uh, and so when I left the job, my intention was to go get another job or to have another opportunity to come out. So a really cold fact that I discovered quickly is that no one wants to hire an ex-CEO. Um, it is very, very difficult uh, to find the right opportunity uh, that's, that has some sort of equivalency, especially if you're a small business CEO, because then you're taking a sidestep into middle management. So if I were to enter a 400-person company, I would be you know, in a weird spot. Right. 
Um, and so we had, uh, I made good money, but not Silicon Valley money, not retire, get retired money. It was a nice upper middle class salary. And then we went back to our pre-CEO days where, you know, we were living in a woman's basement uh, at the start of our marriage. True story. <laughs> uh, and so there was, there was the financial aspect that we really had to deal with and get responsible and change our lifestyles uh, with. Um, but then in, in terms of our relationship, we started our marriage working together. Uh, she was at, she worked at the same, mar the same small marketing company we did. And so she was the project manager and I was kind of the tech guy. Uh, and then a good friend of ours was the designer. And so we were kind of like the three person creative team at the marketing agency. And so we spent our first two years of marriage, um, working together all the time. And so it's been really nice to get back to that, uh, that state that we were most happy in, uh, from there. But it's also been challenging that now we're not working on the same thing. Uh, with the exception of marriage startup, we're not working on building the same business. And so instead of treating each other like partners, we have to treat each other like peers, more like two people inside a mastermind group, uh, listening to each other's struggles and what, and what we're going through and, and being supportive of the individual business growing. And so in that sense, we're still not working together on the thing outside of the podcast. Um, and, and that's been, I think that's been pretty challenging for both of us. It's, it's exciting, uh, but it's also the very real tension of starting something brand new. It's, it's like, okay, so there's some money coming in. So there's tension about money. It's not going fast enough. And then mm -hmm. we both have these big ideas. And so now we have the tension of, okay, whose idea do we invest in first? Is that actually a question we have to make? Uh, we have to answer that way. Uh, and so there's just a lot more to work through, mm -hmm. but they're the problems that we want. They're, they're the problems we chose and that's what's different. Uh, I felt like when, when I was a CEO, these were problems that we didn't want. We didn't want the problem of me being so stressed out for somebody else's business, uh, for giving myself away to customers in ways that were unhealthy for her walling, you know, she felt like she had to protect me uh, so that I could do the best of my job. So really we were two people living in the same house dealing with problems that weren't of our choosing that, that became very situational. It's the, uh, it, there's a cliche business idea of the golden handcuffs um, where you have gold, but they're handcuffs and you're, so you have money, but you're not free. Right. Uh, and so now we have less money, but the challenges we have are, of are, they're ours. We chose them. And that part has been very, very good for our hearts, you know, for the quality of our life. Um, and so there is a, I don't know. There's like a positive tone to everything that we're going through. Like this morning, I deposited some money in my business checking account. And instead of going for coffee, I decided just to wait in my car so I wouldn't have to spend the three bucks so that I have extra money for my date with Laura so that we can pay the babysitter. So, you know, there's this chain of things that we have to think about now that we never had to think about before. But then I just think, oh yeah, so this is going to help both of us be more successful in the things that we've chosen to do. And, and that has just been so good. So, so good. Yeah. That's awesome. I love the, the idea of the, it's the 
problems you want as opposed and the ones you chose, which maybe sometimes feels like a, a burden of like, oh crap, I chose this. But depending <laughs> yeah. on the day, I'm sure. And I know I know that feeling for myself. And and uh but but it still is a good way to a good way to spin that if your mind is going as mine sometimes does to the sort of negative spin on that. But that remembering that this is what you chose and it's a for the good reasons that you chose it, I guess. And um, yeah, similar situation in my own home here as well. And that's, that's a great way of looking at it. Um, I'm going to take a quick break for a quick sponsor or yeah, sponsor spot. And, uh, and then we'll touch on just getting into some of the gear and stuff. We'll get away from the marriage advice portion of the show. So if you're listening for what kind of mic he's using and stuff, <laughs> we'll get to that. Don't worry. <laughs> I just have my own questions I need to answer, I guess, my own uh, therapy session. Um, but first, I just want to thank uh, Small Orange. And uh, if you want to support Show Me Your Mic and my podcasting efforts, you can check out a Small Orange if you need some web hi- website hosting for maybe your podcast, maybe your website. Uh, they have a simple vision, perfecting hosting while maintaining a homegrown feel with a focus on people, their customers, their employees, and their community. A small orange isn't like those big hosting conglomerates. They don't promise unlimited plans that are actually hindered by hidden limitations. Instead, you're only responsible for paying for the resources you need. Whether you're just starting your own blog or you're running a powerful e-commerce site, they have a plan for you. And as I've mentioned in previous episodes, if you visit the show notes for this episode, goodstuff.fm slash smym slash 79, in the little sponsor section there, you can see a link to a small orange, uh, their site, if you want to find out more about them. Or there's also a YouTube screencast that I did of getting signed up, set up, installing WordPress, registering your domain, all that kind of stuff and writing your first blog post and uh, off to the races with your own website. And it takes about 30 minutes and you can be up and going. So um, if you'd like to support Show Me Your Mic, visit a small orange uh, today. All right, so getting into some of the gear and stuff that you use to record your show, you're obviously you don't have the issue of, I assume anyways, generally a Skype co-host somewhere around the world. You're in the same house, I would guess. Uh, yes. <laughs> and uh, so what kind of setup did you choose to go with for, for recording with with your wife? Uh, so we did a ton of research, um, including uh, spending spending the money to take one of the uh, Learn How to Podcast courses, uh, one of the more popular and more expensive ones out there, which actually turned out to be worth it for me. And... You can say uh, which one did. if you want. Oh, so yeah, we took Cliff, uh, we took Cliff Raven's class uh, course. Oh yeah. yeah. And, and so that, oh, you know, if people wonder whether he, whether his stuff behind the scenes is actually worthwhile, if you're brand new to equipment, it, the dude knows his equipment like nobody else. Uh, the problem we had is that we couldn't afford it. Uh, and so we spent a lot of time going back and forth with Cliff uh, about what the basics that we needed. And what we came out of that is that we just needed a portable mixer that could take L, uh, XLR inputs. And so, uh, going, uh, working with Cliff and a couple other members in the class that were in the same situation, we ended up with a Zoom H6, um, and that's that's our only recording gear. Uh, for mics, I used the Heo PR40, which I got a stellar deal from from someone else on the podcast course who bought an extra one by accident, oh, nice. <laughs> uh, and di- and did not have the financial burden I did, and so he gave it to me for a steal. Uh, thank you. <laughs> and then uh, my wife uses the. Oh my goodness! The name just just got me. The um the R's uh the 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 really cheap fifty dollar one. 
Oh, oh like why the, can't I remember this? ATRs. Uh, yes. Yeah, I'm blanking right now too, even though it's one I've talked about plenty of times. ATR yeah, 2100 was, maybe, or? Yes, yes, that's it. The the XLR one from uh, Audio-Technica, I think it is. Is it the one that has is USB and XLR as the option? Yes. Or that one? Okay, yeah, that's the 2100, I think is the, yeah. Yeah, I have a great mic, especially for the price. I, I don't think you can beat that. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. It's the Ars Technica ATR2100 uh, that has the USB XLR and it is fantastic. Um, If I were doing it over again, I would just get two of those and call it a day. Um, I spent the extra money to get insulated XLR cables because the first several times we recorded, I was picking up a Spanish rock station. (laughs) <laughs> that was making it into the feed. I, I have one of those desk arms that I realized basically acts like an antenna because it's this giant metal contraption. Right. And I have a standing desk. And depending on when we were recording, especially if we were recording after 8 p.m. where there's not as much interference out there, um, I was picking up a Spanish rock station and there was nothing I could do to get rid of it. It didn't matter if we moved locations. It didn't matter as soon as I turned the, H, uh, the H6 on and use the mic, it was just like a magnet for this, <laughs> for this thing. It was so annoying. And so- I was going to say, um, you didn't have to have intro music then, I guess. To <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But we got some insulated XLR cables from, uh, from Amazon. I forget which ones exactly, but, um, but that did the trick for us. Uh, so I use that for the hardware setup. Uh, we just use those three pieces of equipment. Uh, I would really like to get a preamp or a mixer. Um, there's a, you know, I have my, I think every podcast host has their list of here's what I want to buy next. Mm. Um, and for me, I probably just, probably next on my list to get is an external sound card so I can do a round trip back to the Zoom from the computer so I can use more like a, a live soundboard um, during the show instead of having to do more in, um, more in post. Right, yeah. But that is the, the nice thing with the Zoom H6 anyways is the and previous listeners or listeners of the previous episodes of this show will know my fascination with them of like having that portable recorder. Have you used it at all outside of the home or outside of your home studio kind of thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we use it. Um, so like last week I mentioned we did a, uh, we went oh, to right. Portland and uh, we just took the Zoom with us uh, and packed up with its uh, microphones and we did a show in Portland and it wasn't a problem at all. Uh, and we've, we've used it for interviews, for example, uh, when we interviewed Laura's parents. Um, I, have, I have a second podcast that I do called Haywire, and I've used some interviews there um, for, uh, for people there. It is just a beautiful piece of equipment that's extremely versatile. Sound quality is excellent. Um, I really wish I could get some affiliate money for it. <laughs> that's, that's its only downside. <laughs> yeah, and that's, I think often maybe overlooked by although it seems to be more and more people are using it as as at least a people I've talked to but overlooked because it's not a a mixer or it's not a big sound thing it doesn't look like it's something that's maybe physically capable of <laughs> recording for some reason or acting as an interface for your for a podcast for some reason and people maybe associate it just with um like reporters or something or with um people use it for video with d- uh, digital SLR video cameras and stuff but yeah. but yeah certainly can be a great way. And then, like I said, like you said, um, having it, having access to it for other stuff beyond once your podcast maybe gets going and you do pick up some sort of more traditional mixer to just leave set up or whatever, it's handy to have for on location kind of interviews and things like that, that you might not be doing right now, but could get into down the road. So 
Yeah, and that was that was actually part of our thinking is that we wanted we wanted to have high quality starting equipment we could afford, but that we wouldn't have to replace that we could build around. And and so that that was the other huge appeal of the H six is that we knew, know for some of the stuff that we want to do and have done is that we know we needed something portable, and so we looked for the very best portable we could afford, uh, and and the Zoom fit the bill. Um, and, and yeah, so we can get a mixer, we can get preamps, we can mix all this stuff around it, uh, it as as resources allow for it. So yeah, it, we we love it. Um, I, obviously, we're kind of evangelists for it, but yeah, it's a great starting piece of equipment. Yeah, and then it, like for, do you use it as a recorder? Like you just record onto it, and then afterwards you dump it onto your computer, right through, through the memory card, or? Uh, yes, for um, for marriage startup, we record straight into it. Uh, and and do our hardware recording for Haywire. Haywire is a little bit different because we have an audio guy who goes deep, deep on the audio side. So I record straight and uh, I don't record there, but I use it as a USB audio interface like, like I'm doing now, actually. Right. Uh, so for what I'm using Skype or uh, the other show, we re- record through Google Hangouts. Um, but I record it directly into uh, Hindenburg, which is the audio editing software I currently use and just send him the raw audio from Hindenburg, and we call it a day. Nice. Yeah, that's another piece of software that people maybe aren't as familiar with, but I know other folks, uh, there's been a few guests who've mentioned in the past in this episode that definitely worth checking out if you need a powerful, but I I hesitate to use the word simple, but like fairly easy to use and clean interface, not a lot of system overhead. Um, It works really, it performs really well on my 2007 iMac, so it <laughs> can yeah <laughs> keep up i guess on older machines that's for sure in a way that um for example logic pro 10 which i installed on there it just feels a little heavier and weightier and like there isn't there's a lot of nice shiny buttons but um the older imac for sure is um struggling to keep up a bit and so um yeah it's definitely an app worth checking out for a recording interface and so when you're doing your show do you is that you're editing it in hindenburg as well uh, yes. And, and so, you know, the reason we went with Hindenburg, it, because it's pricey, I mean, uh, audition is free and, uh, I forget what a subscription to get, um, oh, wait, is addition the Adobe one? But, Whatever the case is. There's, Audacity there's, is the free one and then yeah, the audition yeah. is the Adobe one. Yeah. That's right. So Audacity is free. Audition is about 120 a year, I think on the subscription program and Hindenburg, we splurged for the pro version, which I think is 300 bucks or something like that. So it wasn't cheap, but we specifically went with Hindenburg because the tone that we wanted to get for the show was sort of NPR meets reality TV uh, with a heavy leaning towards the NPR sound. And so we, that's how I heard about um, Hindenburg was at, like at the end of, it seemed like half the NPR podcast, it's like, this was recorded and edited in Hindenburg. And, <laughs> uh, and so we checked that out. And the thing that I love about Hindenburg is that you drag the audio in, it matches the level at broadcast levels automatically. And then I'm just editing for sound for, you know, breathiness. Um, and, uh, and maybe doing a little manual gating on the sound or something like that. Uh, and then I'm done. And and you're right, it's not simple, but it's simple compared to the other two. So if you look at the UIs for Hindenburg next to uh, Audition on Audacity, it, it's the simpler, it's the simplest of those three. Yeah. Uh, and so the learning curve, if you know nothing about audio editing, which is which I didn't, 
uh, to actually having a halfway decent sounding show. I thought um, Hindenburg, based on the free trial compared to the other two, uh, it was clear that I could get going within an hour of installing Hindenburg uh, and the other two were just, I kind of got lost in a sea of terminology I didn't understand and didn't really want to at the time at least. <laughs> well, it is, a, and I think it's built pretty heavily on their website as this, but it's something that's geared and built for like the reporter style or like you said, NPR yeah. stuff. And and so it doesn't have all the audio loops and whatever, like all the stuff that Logic adds for music creation and editing and production and stuff. And, and like just like with Logic where you can use it for podcasting, Hindenburg you could use, I guess, if you want to do music production with, but it is a more of like a, there's going to be a one or two people talking and then a music bed maybe, but it's primarily geared for talking audio, <laughs> I guess. Yep. And, and works it, really well for, uh, for the other podcast, we use a different software that, that, uh, that we might actually talk about something your audience was expecting. So uh, not many people know about this software, but it's called Reaper. Mm-hmm. Um, and Reaper is kind of a middle ground that sits between Audacity and Audition. So it's paid software but it's like one or two developers and it's a labor of love and it's meant to kind of be an all-in-one software solution for both recording music and podcasts. And I think the license is only 60 bucks for life. Um, and uh, Mervin, my uh, audio guy, absolutely loves Reaper. Uh, there's just a lot of free stuff for it. So you can invest 60 bucks there and that if you're, if you're struggling between Audition and Audacity and neither one of those feel right to you, Reaper would be really worth checking out. Yeah, their pricing is neat because they do a, a $60 discounted version where if you're an individual using it for personal use, just, you know, whatever, for fun, yeah, 60 bucks. Mm-hmm. And if you're, or if you're a business or individual using it and you make less than 20,000 US a year, gross, which is kind <laughs> yeah. of just a neat way of, you know, deciding... Which I think is fair. Like the full version is commercial version is two twenty five. So if you're making twenty grand a year off of this, basically off the software, then yeah, pony up because they're making yep. life easy for you. But or if you're an educational nonprofit as well, and you you can get the discounted version, and and I'm sure it's on the honor system, obviously, and, and things like that. But um, but yeah, it's a it's a great piece of software. I know it originally it kind of felt like a it was kind of like the Linux of of the, yes. the audio software world, <laughs> and it's gotten worlds better. So if you looked at it, you know, version whatever two or whatever years ago. Uh, version 477 is what they're up to right now as of this recording. Um, definitely worth checking out as well. And, and a trial version, I'm pretty sure it looks like, you know, you can download and try it out and 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 uh, full, fully functional trial to evaluate it first before you give it, a, you know, pay their, pay your money. But um, yeah, it's a lot of the plugins and extras and stuff and tutorials and people like support forums for it and all that kind of stuff are crazy because that again like you said the people who use it really really love using it yeah yeah is, it's uh, a fanatical fan base yeah um and so and definitely probably an under under mentioned um piece of software as well too sort of like hindenburg in its own way um in that in the podcasting world because it doesn't get the the press that logic and uh, apple or uh, audition does um and then audacity for being free obviously so yeah, very cool. Um, anything else that um, in this process of uh, recording your podcast that we're missing pieces that you've you can think of? Uh, no. It, so in terms of what we do, um, the other thing, well, the other thing too is that we've learned that in the podcast world, there's a lot of bartering that can happen uh, <laughs> in terms of professionals helping each other out. Um, and, and so right now we're using some of that to get some original show music done. 
Um, the show music we do right now is kind of a gray area. I've, I've tried for the length of the show to secure a license for it, but I can't get anyone to return my emails and it's making me feel really iffy about its continued use. Um, and so I have a coaching client whose husband is a stellar musician. And so I've just traded some coaching services to get some, uh, new audio done for the show. Oh, nice. Uh, so, so like, yeah, I think in episode 32 that you listen to, that's like a beta version of the intro music <laughs> that he's playing around with and doing it. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think, you know, I'm still relatively early into this podcasting thing and, and what I really learned is it, the most valuable thing that Cliff told me that I've turned has turned out to be incredibly true uh, is, is he told us from the beginning, the most important thing is to be consistent, publish every single week. It doesn't matter if it's crappy. It doesn't matter if you feel like it, but the consistency of schedule is way, way more important than your initial quality of anything. So you build the quality up over time, uh, but your audience needs to learn to trust you to be consistent. And so from the beginning, we've tried to keep our workflow as simple, as simple as possible. Um, it was really eye-opening to see uh, to have Cliff walk us through his actual broadcast setup in terms of from the time he hits record to the amount of time it takes him to publish um, for most of his shows is 15 minutes or less in the way that he has it set up. So we've really tried to mimic a really, really simple workflow so that the majority of our time can be spent on writing the show actually recording the show and then making sure that we have the research and auxiliary support for every episode versus investing in the work of editing the show um, and, and getting the audio just, just right. And so um, th that, would be, that would be the thing that that's not related to any particular piece of equipment, but it's one of the things that really helped us is just to keep it super simple early on. Um, and, and just make the entire recording experience about what's the shortest route to getting a show live on the air that has an acceptable level of quality versus the best quality. Um, because your return on investment between having a show that's like a six or a seven in audio quality and a nine or a 10 diminishes really, really rapidly versus consistency of publication and consistency in in devoting the time to make the content better that you'll get way more return out of that. Yeah, for sure. And, um, I'm curious the, you mentioned sort of writing the show and what is, what is involved for you guys together as far as preparing for a show and any sort of tips there that you've come across that you're, you're using right now to prepare for a show so that you're ready, like notes and, and the way that you sort of craft a show collaboratively. Uh, yeah, so there's two things that we've picked up on that have been really helpful. Uh, one is that for us, an outline is way more important than a script. So originally we tried scripting certain parts of the show, but I found that an outline with like five bullet points is way more helpful to me than a particular, um, than three paragraphs of script that I'm trying to read and parse because inevitably it stops sounding like a conversation. Uh, now, there are some podcasters that are excellent at reading and you have no idea that they're reading. Uh, I'm not there. Uh, so the parts that we do script are when we need to be descriptive. Like in the disc profile, I made uh, episodes, I've made sure to script out a paragraph that I think succinctly describes what they're about. So I'm not riffing on that. But that in terms of the conversation that follows, it's bullet points. Uh, and the other thing that we have recently picked up that, again, Mervin, uh, he, he picked up this technique from 
one of the, I forget his source for finding it, but it's a, I think he called it blind scripting where we have a main script that we follow in the show notes. So when we're recording, it'll say like marriage startup episode 33, that will have an outline of the show. Um, and we've talked about the show in advance. Okay. So we're going to talk about this profiles. You need to make sure to take it by this date. And, um, here's what I've found interesting about disc profiles in terms of setup, but we found then that in order to plan our parts of the show, but still have it feel like a surprise is to do blind script, which means that I will have a separate Google document that describes what I want to talk about in the details so that I'm prepared and she'll do the same, but we don't share those with each other prior to the show. So that even though it's pre-prepared on both our parts, there's the spontaneity of conversation. So it really cuts down on the rambling, but you don't lose any of the spontaneity around it. Um, and that has been really, really helpful in, in terms of making the show feel fluid to us. Yeah, that's it's definitely something I know I've struggled with too, is how you 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 either have a bunch of docs, documents open, yeah. but yeah, you don't want to necessarily <laughs> just tell your co-host or your guest or whatever what you're going to say next, because that, yeah, definitely would, it affects them and, and uh, as much as they might not want to, or if you decide to not say that exactly, they might wonder why you didn't or whatever. And, and that's, that's an interesting technique and, and almost like it'd be neat if Google docs actually had, and this sounds like a very first world podcaster problem, but like, um, had the ability to sort of hide a paragraph from the other users. And so that you wouldn't have to, cause I've done exactly that where I have two docs open, but then you're kind of flipping back and forth and you lose, you know, your place in one or, or the other, whatever, but just to be able to like hide a paragraph from everybody else so that you can see it, you have your notes, I guess. And there's probably a way to do that if there is, let me know. And I'm unaware <laughs> out there, but yeah, I wish I'm right there with you. I would love that. Yeah. But, uh, but that's a very minor issue in, in the grand scheme of things, obviously, but, um, but that's, yeah, it's definitely helps to, to do that, to keep, keep the spontaneity of a discussion going and, uh, and, uh, yeah, definitely can, can be a good help for that. So very cool. Um, trying to think of anything else as far as your website and things, it's any, your hosting, where do you host your, sh your episodes through or what uh, do you use? So for, um, for the episodes themselves right now, they're currently on Lipson, uh, in terms of actually hosting the uh, audio files themselves. We've been toying around with the idea of moving that to, uh, FeedPress's new, uh, podcasting service. Um, oh, that's uh, new. I hadn't, uh. It, yeah, so they have the RSS stats, which yeah. we found really helpful. Uh, like uh, that Google, like the Google service is so arcane. Like I can't believe that there's really only one alternative to a service that Google has abandoned for years. Yeah. Um, and so FeedPress does a good job with that. It's super cheap. Um, but they've just introduced podcast hosting. Uh, but we haven't had a chance to really kick the tires with that yet. Uh, but it's a little bit cheaper and it, uh, and we really liked their customer support and the, um, and the fact that it's being constantly developed, like, like with <laughs> the Google yeah. feed service, I mean, it is just a uh, feed burner. That's the thing I'm looking like feed burner is just a dead product. And that really, really concerns me from a software perspective. And so feed press is a new product and that also concerns me, but it's, Obviously, they love what they do, and I'm more inclined to invest in what they do. So I'm hoping we can move, make the move to FeedPress uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, our host, uh, our our hosting is actually provided by this awesome, awesome company called Nexus. Uh, they're they're out of Dearborn, Michigan, 
And one of the last things I did at my software job was um, build a formal relationship between the CMS software uh, that I used to make and Nexus as being uh, the official hosting provider for uh, for the CMS. And so I got to know the team behind them and they are um, they are a small hosting provider comparatively speaking, but they're over I think 100 staff now. So they're not really small. Um, and so they do a super good job with our website. Uh, they're really good people. Nice. Um, and I also wanted to say thank you for having a small orange sponsor instead of the other colored web host uh, <laughs> that most people promote. I, I actually, I think if, oh man, this is going to be embarrassing if I'm getting right, but I'm pretty sure I know the wife of the owner of a small orange. And so I had a t- chance to talk to them both early on in their business. And man, they, they are just a rock solid company in terms of the people behind it. So I was really happy to see that Small Orange is, is part of the sponsors behind your program. Yeah, and I shouldn't, they, I use the word sponsor. I should probably, should, it's affiliate thing. It's not, they're not officially sponsoring. Um, but but yeah, it's no, there's no, um, what's the word? I'm not, no false pretenses with as far as they're yeah. hosting. Like I have, I have clients, my web business is with, set up a long time ago with DreamHost and I just have way too much stuff <laughs> there to start migrating. But, but anything going forward, um, I set up a, this, not to turn it into a big spot for them, but I set up an account with them and like within a day, I think I had a phone call from someone at Small Orange just, and it was just like the $10 a month account or whatever they had at the time. Just a phone call from them, making sure everything was okay. Any questions? Good. Okay, good. And I told them what I was doing, that I was just setting it up purely to try it out and maybe use it as an affiliate thing. And they said, well, you can talk to her, you know, and we'll work with you or whatever. And so great. But but yeah, the the, the, the what you see in the screencast is actually, it is me setting up for the first time, never having used it and going from start to finish and, and yeah, great support. Any little weird things that have come up, they've been great. And yeah. So, and it's, it's, it is nice to have, there's plenty of alternatives out there, but it's, it's, it's a well-designed, it looks good, which, you know, appeals to the Apple nerd in me, but, um, cause a lot of them are pretty ugly to use <laughs> to be honest yep. <laughs> yes. yeah and and you don't like if you're going to be staring at this thing all the time especially for me as a web developer person like i go into it a lot and but even then you, you want to be able to find the things easily and not have a mess of stuff yeah. all over the place so D- yeah doesn't it blow your mind just from a design perspective how terrible web hosting control panels are and have been for over 20 years yeah definitely you know considering <laughs> the amount of innovation and technique in almost every other space online, but web hosting control panels are like, I don't know, they're, um, well, yeah, they're just terrible. Yeah. It's, it, now it's caught up to like Windows 95 era or something, maybe Windows yeah, 3.1 exactly. or something, but it's still, yeah, just <laughs> yeah. archaic. Uh, yeah. So Merit Startup runs on WordPress. Uh, my other podcast, Haywire, we're making the switch over to a commercial CMS called Craft. Um, and we really, really love craft. You can do some amazing stuff with it, but it's not a beginner friendly. Like if, if, like if I were, if I wasn't working with a designer on, uh, on that, I wouldn't be using craft. But since we are working with a kind of a professional team on the other podcast, um, we can do some really fun stuff with craft that we can't do, uh, with WordPress, but you know, WordPress is just so easy. It's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's a hard sell to use anything else if, if you aren't working with web professionals. Yeah. And, and that's exactly it. And, uh, especially you mentioned FeedPress earlier and having how easy it is just to like install a plugin. It takes care of configuring everything for you and feeds and stuff. And then if you use their, assuming their podcasting service as well, it'll, I'm sure it's probably a pretty quick tie in there as well. So, 
um, yeah, it's, I know I've messed with craft and other ones too. And it's as the web nerd in me, it's, it's fun to experiment with those. But then every time I start actually building it out, I'm like, oh, this is just going to be, <laughs> I want a podcast. I don't want to mess with CSS and exactly. code and stuff here in this part anyway. So, but, um, yeah, no, that's awesome. That's a good, good bunch of variety of, of stuff that uh, doesn't normally get discussed here on the, on the show. So good to have those, those options for folks, especially if they are a bit more web nerdy <laughs> as it were. Um, the last thing I end with and uh, is just inquiring about what podcasts you guys are listening to, or you, I guess, in, your, in this case, and and what apps you're using to listen to your podcasts on or with. So what um, what are podcasts and podcasts that you're catching your ear these days? Uh, so, yeah, the easy one is uh, let's start with what I use. So um, I listen to podcasts almost exclusively on my iPhone. I almost never listen through a desktop or any other way. Uh, and so for that, I, I really like pocket casts. It, it's got some, it's got some things that don't quite sit right with me. Uh, I really, really want to use overcast. Uh, I think that's the one that Marco can't remember his last name. Yeah, Marco Arment. Yeah. It, yeah. It, and it's a fantastic app, but it, it didn't make the cut because it doesn't save the episode. Uh, and I have a stupid bandwidth cap uh, with my internet provider. And so if I have to, if I have to re-download an episode I want to listen to again, a reference later, um, I just, I don't know, I can't do it, unfortunately. Uh, so podcasts, I just pulled out, I am subscribed to 58. So I pulled out 10 that I felt like don't get as much mention most of the time. So there's the usual, um, there's the usual ones I listen to. Uh, but for this show, uh, Culture Slash, a couple friends of mine run it, and uh, I absolutely love that. It's kind of like this mixture of um, pop culture mixed with civil rights, mixed with women. It's, it's just a really, it's, it's exactly what it says it is. <laughs> uh, the, business, uh, the Businessology Show, uh, really great for web professionals, bootstrapped, uh, click control, uh, sorry, a uh, control click. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, the Mindset Zone, uh, the Dice Tower. Uh, I'm a I'm a huge board gaming nerd, and so the Dice Tower. Uh, yeah, if you like board games, you're not listening to the Dice Tower. That's that's awesome. Uh, there's one called the Thrilling Adventure Hour, which I absolutely love. Uh, that's probably my favorite podcast in terms of when I need to smile. Uh, there's one called Writing Excuses. Then the classic tales and rounding it out would be the Art of Value. Nice, the Art of Value. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, going back to the dice tower, what's, what are you, I'm curious, just any, any games of, of board games of late, we we're in that stage of life that, um, where we don't have time or we used to play <laughs> a lot of board games with friends and started getting into the settlers of Catan and, and stuff like that. This is another digression that folks may or may not want to listen to, but I want to talk about, so that's fine. Um, but, uh, and then kids came along and now it's hard to get ready to get together and play board games. But what, what are some current ones that recent ones, I guess, that you've gotten into that are are fun to check out. Uh, so yeah, three always come to mind in, in terms of good introductory games. The the first is Lords of Waterdeep. That's that's the go-to game at my house right now. Um, my wife and I love it. It's really easy to teach to other people uh, and you can be done with it in about 45 minutes. Um, it has a Dungeons and Dragons theme, but don't let that fool you. It's not really a Dungeons and Dragons game. N not that I would mind that. Um, but it would have, my wife wouldn't have been as involved. Uh, another one is, um, oh man, of course now the name just escaped my, uh, 
I'll skip to the kids game. Uh, there's one called Mice and Mystics uh, that's on the pricey side, but it's so fantastic if you have kids. Oh, um, and uh, you have, um, there's a lot of reading involved, but it is a, it's a cross between a choose your own adventure game and, um, and a dungeon crawl type style game. And the whole thing is kind of like, are you familiar with Redwall with the kind of living mice? So it's got a Redwall vibe to it where it's a little bit high fantasy, but not, not so serious. And so the game is a cooperative game that's split into chapters. And so you can play sessions of it. And when you get to the end, you've told the story of this set of uh, mice trying to reverse a curse that has befallen them. And it's just a ton of fun if you have kids. Uh, or even if you don't have kids, um, it, I, I find it very, uh, very fun. It is your, I forget, it was a five-year-old you have? You have your eight-year-old and a five-year-old, right? Does your yeah, five-year-old get into it? Or? Yeah, so she um, she loves rolling the dice, and the rules are simple enough that she can follow along, but we definitely have to help her out. But right. the spirit of the game is one of storytelling. So it's not important that you follow a strict rule set. It's more important that there's a narrative that they can be involved in. Nice. And so that's why I really like it. So if you're fudging the rules to have fun, I mean, who cares? You're just exploring the story together. Yeah. Uh, and, and so uh, in that way, it, it's just fantastic. And the art directions on it, uh, it as a designer, you'll really appreciate the, all of the craftsmanship that went into this particular game. Uh, and then the other one we really love is called Pandemic. That's the one I couldn't remember the name. Oh, yeah. I played that once with, we had friends over who don't have kids and they, they introduced it to us. <laughs> uh, and there's actually one, um, there's a new version called Pandemic Legacy that's coming out that we're looking forward to. And if you're not familiar with the legacy style games, uh, the legacy style games are games where you permanently alter the game board on consecutive sessions. So it started, this trend started with something called a risk legacy, where after every game of risk that you play, you open up a sealed envelope and there's instructions on what to do based on the outcome of the game. So you might actually rename a continent or have a permanently destroyed area of the board. Um, and so with pandemic legacy, you are still fighting off these infection diseases, but it changes to a narrative arc where I think the setup is that you're curing the disease over a course of a year and each game session is a month of time. And so depending on how you do in the session, you open up an envelope and the game board permanently changes uh, based on the outcome of your session. So you kind of like build this narrative up and the game will change uh, depending on, on how you do it. And so that whole concept sounds really intriguing to me. Interesting. Cool. All right. Well, that's uh, yeah, show me your board game, I guess. Segment of show me your <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty of, uh, of great board game podcasts, like you mentioned, the Dice Tower, and not in any attempt to try and replicate what, what they're doing. But uh, yeah, it's just always interesting to hear what, what folks are playing and stuff, because I yeah, don't get to experiment that much anymore with these. I'm sure that time will come again. But and uh, anyhow, Pandemic was fun. We played it once or twice, maybe through, and definitely had a lot of fun with it. So, um, all right. Well, before we uh, go off into the fourth or fifth tangent that <laughs> is unrelated to podcasting, we'll end the show there. Uh, my thanks, Leslie, for coming on the show. Where can folks find you and, and follow along with what, what we're doing? Uh, well, the Merit Startup is at meritstartup.com. Uh, probably the most, uh, we do have a small but pretty active community on Facebook. So you can kind of get your feet wet, uh, wet there too at facebook.com forward slash startup. 
My Twitter account, I'm pretty active on. The Merit Startup one, not so much. So Twitter on Merit Startup is at Merit Startup, and my account is Leslie S. Camacho. Uh, and between those three things, I'm pretty easy to get a hold of, and I love hearing from people. So uh, feel free to get in touch. Nice. Yeah, thanks. Thanks again for coming on the show. Um, my thanks to you if you're, I guess, a small orange, and and if you check them out, I'd hardly recommend it, as you obviously heard plenty of this in this episode. And uh, if you'd like to support Show Me Your Mic and my podcasting efforts a little more directly, you can do so on my Patreon, Patreon.com/slash iChris. Um, in a bit of self promotion or, or network promotion, I guess cross network promotion. I was on. Uh, Carrie Halstead's show, I guess, for grownups, uh, episode number 17. I'll put a link in the show notes um, titled, I have tweets read to me while I sleep, talking about uh, not being on Twitter for a bit now and just uh, fearlessness in podcasting and some other discussions that we had. Always great to chat with Carrie. And uh, if you don't already listen to her show, it's great great to listen to, if, especially either you're an adult or grown-up or you want to be a grown-up. <laughs> Maybe um, <laughs> you're struggling with being grown up. Uh, she has great discussions on all sorts of issues and, and probably, you know, somewhat related to the marriage startup kind of discussions, things as well, not just relationships, but um, tangentially related anyways, topics. So um, you can follow Good Stuff for notifications of shows like, I guess, for grownups and show me your mic at goodstuff underscore FM on Twitter. I'm iChris on Twitter. It's a great time to follow me if you don't want to add noise to your Twitter feed because I'm not tweeting right now. <laughs> and, uh, but I will be back someday. And uh, show me your mic has its own Twitter account where I am tweeting occasionally from uh, SMYM underscore FM. Like I mentioned earlier in the episode, if you want to get a hold of me, have questions, suggestions for the show, questions for the show, uh, chris at goodstuff.fm. And uh, I'd be happy to answer your questions or maybe a question that you have will be suitable to a future guest. Um, I'd love to incorporate some of that into the show. Like we talked about in this episode as well, it's, it, you can let me know if we don't want to, you don't want your name read on the air, you don't want your this topic even talked about, I'd be happy to just email you back if I have some thoughts. And, um, but, but it'd be fun to incorporate listener feedback into this show and uh, happy to do that. So uh, I guess that's it for now. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.